All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of Ghost in the Scene, certified friendly ghost friendly podcast. I'm your host, Gio Champatazzi. I'm here with my co-host, Rob Thomas. How are you, Rob? Gio, I, I'm just, you know, I'm glad to be with everyone this week. Uh, I know we took a hiatus last week, an unexpected one. Uh, I apologize to all, all the listeners out there who depend on, on our work, but I, to be honest, like, sometimes you need to know when, when to tap the mat and say, I'm sorry, I, I, I got to sit, sit out because I honestly have been, been feeling drained uh, spiritually uh, more so than anything else. So thank, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Gio, for being patient and understanding. Um, you know, I'm not 100%, but I thought it was important to, to come back on the air and hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm already starting to feel your energy and that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, getting my charger from, let's say, 32%, you know, I'm feeling it bump up to 33%. So that's, that's already a, a positive step in the right direction. 33% is a very charged number. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave the math head to crunch that one out. But let's all lend a praying hand, extend a praying hand to Rob. Because, you know, like he said, you know, it's hard. It's hard work getting, getting up and doing this kind of work every week. And, you know, we have people that sent emails, letters, and I couldn't give them to Rob because it, he's just too fragile to, to take any, any positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement. He can't take any, any enforcement right now. He's too drained. So what I wanted to do to start is I want to go over some, some tips. How do we get a battery that's at 32 and we bump it up to, you know, 69 or something a little more fun, a fun, a, a more fun number. So Rob, let's, let's have an open, honest discussion about battery power. I, I think n nobody ever talks about battery power, right? And how we are drained constantly. You know how your phone is always dying? That's you. And you have to plug in every now and then. Overnight, you have to plug in. And our phones are a representation of us. Basically, they're our magical extension. And sometimes the extension draws power from the user. And so, Rob, explain what, what you've been feeling. Definitely. I mean, and I want to... I think the phone is a great place to start too, Gio, because I want everyone to do this. Pick up your phone, all right? And take a look at it. What do you see? Don't turn it on. Don't turn it on. Hmm. You know, with what do you see when it's turned off? You're gonna see a reflection of yourself. Unless you're a vampire. Unless you're a vampire, then this doesn't apply. You can skip ahead to maybe, you know, minute 20 or so. Because uh, none of this will apply to you. Yeah. But for the rest of us mortals listening, um, you know, it, it, it's, we, we get trapped. We trap ourselves in this little black box. Um, you know, and that's not the only way to be drained. You know, you can be marked by other paranormal entities mm. that will take your energy, like your phone, uh, I just think the phone's a good place to start because it's something most all of us have. And if you're listening to us, you know, we're 
99% sure you're listening to us on your phone. Um, so true. And, you know, we have to thank the phone, of course. Thank you, phone, for having this interaction be available to you. But also, we are friendly, well-meaning people. You know, we're not like some podcasts that have secret spells hidden under the conversation that are draining you of your battery, of all kinds of your mojo. I don't know. I don't know if you know about mojo, but you might not have any right now. You might be negative mojo in your life because you listen to a, a podcast that I can't name legally. But we all know what I'm, who I'm talking about. So. Yes, let's start there, but also, like Rob said, there are millions of things. They're, they're called atoms, right? Billions of things called atoms with electrons, charges that they carry from one place to another. If, if we're being scientific, we call them atoms. If we're being paranormal, we call them energies. We call them spirits. And... That's what we're talking about. At the atomic level, there are spirits that are exchanging energies. And sometimes you will encounter a spirit so large that its natural you know, want to exchange energy will just zap you of all of yours. And so we come in contact with this kind of things all the time because we're dealing with the big dogs now. Rob, I hate to say it, but, you know, if, if we don't get this, you know, battery thing under control, it'll be just like my car. My car battery, it went for a good eight years, and recently it kaput, you know, it, it died on me. Man, and, you know, what I really hope is not happening, too, is, you know, as we're upgrading ourselves, I hope that, like, the, like a new software system, I hope it's not draining me, my, like, my own battery unnecessarily. Because, you know, your phone will get, like, those new updates. And all of a sudden, you know, it would run like all day. Now it's like you're losing power, like, you know, halfway le or, or less through the exactly. day. Of so, course. I mean, that's, that's the danger of, of leveling up for ourselves. We're still using our original OS, you know, our, little, our, our bodies. Um, I'm sorry, I mean, we have new, a new OS, but with like the original hardware. Exactly. And I think that is a, a really good um, way to start advocating for full body transplants because un until we figure this out, until we crack that code um, to either gain new limbs, you know, maybe a third leg, an extra arm, there's no way for our bodies to evolve. Like, you know, the one thing that you see in culture is that we like to imagine ourselves, right? We use our imaginations as extensions of, of what we want to be. And I always look at Pokemon with such reverence and such jealousy because you see a little rat, a, you know, a little mouse, and you think it's, it's a pitiful little pittance. It's a little sad, you know, fragile beastie. And then with some training, with some hard work, it levels up, it evolves. But its actual body transforms as well and you see it goes from a shabby rat to a beautiful electric cute you know chubby little monkey and all of that is what we want we want to do that but our physical bodies are not limited they're, they're limited 
Right. I mean, like, when was the last time in anyone, any listener, I'm putting this out to everybody, when was the last time that you have any sort of evolution change, evolutionary change, right? I mean, even ask your grandma. I mean, she's she's got the amount of same amount of fingers as you do. Mm. You know, like we've had these bodies for millennia. You know, you look at the ancient Mesopotamians, uh, the Aztec, uh, you know, ancient Chinese dynasties. Yeah, they got 10 fingers for the most part. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, you get someone with six fingers. And, you know, that's, that's the next step. That's beauty right there. You know, the one thing we have is we have bigger feet than people back in the day, right? But even that is, is just, I would say, a small fraction of, of what we should have. I want, you know, feet the size of, of a Tonka truck. I want, you know, the head the size of a weather balloon. And the fact that we've only gained by inches instead of by feet and by meters is is just a sad sign that our physical bodies are just so limited we're not capable of that kind of growth at that kind of level i mean only people like the rock are really allowed to turn into the mountain that he is and it's because of deals with demons deals with angels archangels that he was able to do that and he's been doing a movie with kevin hart maybe one a year and we can talk about heart later, but that may have something to do with it. So recharging, that's what we need to focus on because I feel like the psychic vampires out there, they're going to continue to suck. And we, we need to figure out a way using the bodies that we have to plug into something, right? And usually it's us. We, you know, we are that connection for a lot of people listening, but we need something too. And so that's what we're going to, we're going to try to figure out. So um, here are my, you know, easy suggestions for recharging your battery when you really need it. Uh, number one, now this may be a little dangerous. So I, I don't suggest uh, somebody do this that's not as experienced as, as us as usual ghost hunters i would say go to the nearest haunted house you could find okay uh remove your shirt remove your pants now of course don't do this in a place where there are children around don't do this in a place where there are people that don't want you doing this right try to do this in a appropriate fashion but I want you to be in a dark room and with your shirt and your, and, and your butt open, plant right on the ground. And that's when I want you to start going in a circle and making that static energy. Now, when I said it's dangerous, you could get shocked. And a shock on your booty is, is not a good feeling. Let, let me tell you that. But that the hole we talked to lois last week about how it might just be one hole it's much better because uh, imagine if, if i said go on your face and go in a circle you would get a face burn you would you know it would taste bad your butt is much different 
it can take much more of a beating. And so you could go around in a, a few circles, accumulating the static energy in your butt. And that hole, it will transfer all of the static energy up your butthole into your brain. It's just, you know, that's just my professional advice. That's what I like to do. I do it in haunted houses because the paranormal charge is extra. But you could do it in, in your normal house with the carpet with enough static electricity. I mean, that's a really interesting point because when we're talking about being drained spiritually and the potential of demons and, and ghosts and vampires sucking your energy, it's a very proactive technique to go straight to those demons and ghosts and take the energy right back. Exactly. And, you know, my great-grandfather used to say the butt is just a vessel to the heart. That's a, that's a wise grandpa. Yeah, great. That's why he was so great. Wow. So this is your normal grandpa. You just called him great because, because he said that about the butt. Oh, yeah. And, and everyone who meets him says, wow, that's one great grandpa. And that's the thing about, you know, great grandpas, grandpas in general, is that sometimes they have things from the past that are still true, you know? They talk about woodcutting and saws and, and bows and arrows. Those things still exist. You could still make all of that stuff. You can't do it with the phone. But you can do it with your great-grandpa. And him talking about the butt and the heart, that means that you have generations of people with that knowledge, which means that they've probably been doing this kind of recharging you know, back in the old days. And they might be calling it something else. I'm going to call it the ghost in the scene shuffle. And it's going to be a TikTok craze. That's for sure. But I don't want to appropriate any, you know, your great grandpa or any, anybody's culture. So if anybody knows the original term for this, you know, process, this ritual, get at us and, and we will credit them because we don't want to take anything from anybody. I mean, we're, what we're looking to do is honor and respect the great tradition of, I mean, what we can only call now the butt shuffle. Yeah. And rubbing uh, your ass on the floor and charging it to your heart and to your mind. Exactly. Bare. Has to be bare. Well, you, could, you could be wearing like a bikini, kind of, you know, tight. We got, you have to have the cheeks on the, on the ground itself. Um, second, second advice. Rob, now this might be a, a medical question, so I, I want you to feel comfortable. You don't have to answer. Rob, have you ever peed in reverse? Oh, uh, well, you're not talking about diarrhea. No, <laughs> not talking about diarrhea. Um, the big D, no. I'm talking about peeing up in inside of you taking the pee back from the bowl like a vacuum using your pee pee like a vacuum oh how that, that that's actually kind of new to me is that it's like do you, do you just like clench okay this is for 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 people with with a pee pee um x's y's anybody that's got a pee pee this is for you there's a there's a switch there's a switch in there, okay? It's sometimes 
90% of the time, it's naturally set to forwards. 10% of the time, it's switched to backwards. So there's people that have this. That's why I, I was turned on to this in the first place. Someone said, you don't pee backwards? And I was like, what are you talking about? So, you know, we went to the restroom. They showed me the switch. I flipped it. And the pee came back. The pee from earlier that afternoon came back. And I was in a different house. And it came back. So this is a way to recharge that I didn't know was possible until somebody with that evolution showed me. And this is, it's a, it's a, it's a part of us that we all have. I'm not sure if, if people with, uh, with, without sacks can access the switch. All I know is that my switch was, was in the sack. And so for anybody that's got a sack, you just got to toy around in there and you'll find a little, a little knob, a little switch. You do a couple twists, a, a pull and a shake, and you're, you're peeing upside down, backwards. Not Australian style either. Amazing. I mean, and at the very least, you know, you can, you can check yourself for any lumps because you don't want to make sure you have any cancer going on in there either. Exactly. This, is, this has a lot of different uh, useful um, you know, uh, things to come from. So, exactly. I don't think enough people have have sack play, you know, to, to, to really understand what's going on down there because I think people are afraid of being outnumbered. There's the two to one aspect of, 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 of your sack. And I think we have to get over that, that anxiety of being outnumbered. They're a part of you, you know, and even if they're not a part of you, even if they're your partners, help them find the switch because they might not even know it's there. And it, it says on off. So you can, you can find you. It literally says what you needed to say. So that's just another, another one of my ideas. Um, you don't have to take it, but it is a possibility. And if you want to recharge that way, it's a hell of a rush. That's amazing. And it reminds me of just say like, you know, I think we can, we all have the power to evolve. Everyone talks about evolution like it's some sort of passive thing. But I think we have the power to enact the change ourselves. And I think if we think outside the box, like most people would, would say like, oh, you get an extra arm. Reverse pain. Like, yeah. Let's, let's, let's expand our definition of what evolution means. There is a movie called Banana Split about the guy who invented ice cream with James McAvoy. And he had 50 different personalities that created 50 different flavors of ice cream. And this was a, a biopic, a bio movie about the creator inventor of ice cream. James McAvoy evolved beyond the capacity of being able to channel one ghost. He channeled 50. 51 if you include the, the original inventor of ice cream. So that's what we're talking about. There is an ability to harness the power and to evolve within your own biology. But it takes, you know, a lot of work. Not all of us are James McAvoy's. And I'm sorry to everybody that's not. But there's only an infinite amount of James McAvoy's. And none of them are us. 
right? In the multiverse, there's, there's a heap, but none of them are you, and I'm sorry. So for us, we're going to have to figure out how to evolve in a slow, you know, slow burn kind of basis. But I think that's going to be one of our focuses for this season, for this year, our fourth year of podcasting, right? We're already in our second month on our rip-roaring tour into 2020, into the new decade. So I think that's going to be a big goal. I think we're going to have more teeth by the end of this. I might get another nose. And like I said, it's not just about arms and legs. It's about, you know, having an ear that's maybe four inches longer. So I could, you know, maybe put it around a corner and listen to, you know, the, the, the people gossip. So there's plenty of things that we could do. And, you know, not everything's going to be successful as well. I mean, that's the heart of a scientific study. You know, I've been jamming forks into outlets for, for the last week, trying to feel something, right? Um, what have you felt they, by that? What was that? What have you felt when you did that? You know, I get the jolt, right? So I, th- I was thinking, wow, this is working. Um, but then, you, you know, I kind of, it would kind of fade after a while. And, um, you know, by the end, I, I just couldn't taste anything oh. anymore. So it's, it's weird to see, like, how it ends up correlating, like, in a pinch. Sure, I'll stick a fork in an outlet if I just need a little, a little boost. But, you know, for all you listening out there, that's not a good long-term solution. No, that's a that's just like a, a a a banana split, basically. Right. You you can't have that every week, but you have that once a month. That's it's fine. And James McAvoy, just proving the evolution, he had them fifty times a day. So the amount of calories he did for you is is incredible. It's astronomical, and it's a number that I I don't even want to crunch. So eventually we will be able to do what McAvoy did in that movie. But until then, we'll do what we can, which is, you know, I think at some point I, I might get spacers in my nose. I might, I might uh, split my tongue down the middle. I've seen people have the autonomy of having battling sides of your tongue. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Maybe I'll like split my eyelid so I could blank the other way. There's, I mean, you know, personal evolution is, 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 a, is a journey and it's an individual journey. So we can all take these and you can tell us what you're doing to yourself. And we will absolutely exemplify you. We'll, you know, tell everybody your story because we want to see how everybody evolves. Um, and actually, this is a perfect segue into our conversation because we evolved this show evolved we used to be at war with plenty of things with the occult with witchcraft with demons right we were um foolish i'd say to say the least and we got humbled we got humbled heavily a few times and it took us you know a a few licks to realize that there are good people on every, you know, shade in every aspect of the world that we just have to look for them. We have to find them and understand their perspective. And we did so recently with a lot of guests 
And this next guest is a gentleman psychic. He is literal, you know, I mean, this guy is the occult in trap lightning in a bottle. And so Richard Lail Lillard was great, gracious enough to have a conversation with us about the paranormal, about the occult, about old films. And it really blew me away with how much he knew. And it just goes to show that if we didn't evolve, we would never be able to have that conversation. Because, you know, us in the, in the past would have passed that interview because we were so ignorant. And I'm glad we didn't. And I hope this inspires everyone just to keep an open mind and, and see what's out there and just try to listen to people before you pass judgment. And I think this is a beautiful example. I thought we had a, an amazing conversation with Richard Lale. And, you know, it, it shows what's possible out there. And I think if we join forces, like it, it's truly a force for, for good. And this is our second Satanist that we've had on. And I mean, they're so nice. It's, it, it's, and it goes to show you that, you know, you have to break the paradigm of what you think is an evil person because we've had two Satanists on and they're great. They're great people. They're fun to talk to. They're well, you know, read. They know about what we talk about. So I mean, it, it's a perfect, it's a Cinderella in the shoe kind of moment. So let's get to our conversation with Richard Lell Lillard, and uh, we'll see you in a little while. Okay, we are here with Richard Lale Lillard. He is a paranormal, I, I, I don't even want to describe what you do because you do more than one thing. So um, how are you? Let's, let's just start I, with that. I'm well, I'm warm. I have to turn the fans off so you can hear me. There's one little one under the table. But it's warm. Other yeah. than that, I'm good. Yeah, it is, it is extremely, extremely hot in the L.A. area. That's where I am right now. Yeah, Richard Blail, for our audience, too, can you just give, like, a brief synopsis of, you know, how you would describe yourself and the work that you do? Sure. Well, the easiest way to describe myself is my business name, which is The Gentleman Psychic. I'm a psychic, I'm a medium, I do spells, I do house clearings, I do, I do all kinds of things. I do paranormal investigations, I, I, all kinds of things. That's fantastic. Um, that's right up our alley. We, you know, we do the podcast version of that. You know, um, we love the paranormal, we're big enthusiasts. So We've heard, uh, seen a few of your videos, so we, kn we know um, some things about you. You've said that you've had this for life. This has been a part of you since as long as you can remember. Exactly, yes. Uh, well, I mean, I, growing up, I just thought that everyone knew things. I knew things. I thought everybody knew things. But it turns out that it wasn't really the case. You know, and I think, you know, children maybe give that, that sense that they have more of an awareness Sure. And maybe when you get older, you lose that. Well, a lot of people, are, a lot of children are told, oh, no, you have an, an invisible friend. That's not real. That's not real. That's imaginary. You have to do real things. That's not real. But I grew up in a strict Pentecostal church, so they didn't try to tell me that the, that the spirits that I felt weren't real because Pentecostals do believe in, in the spirit world and in witchcraft and in devils. So it was easier for me because it wasn't drummed out of me. Wow, interesting. 
So being around the, I guess, the ability to see spirits, right? Did that influence your interest as a child? Were you into the more macabre as a child or? Oh, I was very much. I was, even as a, as a, as a little, little boy, I was a, I was a fan of the Addams Family. That was, that was my number one show. So yeah, the Addams Family, I loved the Munsters. I loved Elvira. I, I was very much into the darker aspects of, of well, the macabre world, as the case were. Wow, and and I see you have a a Ouija board right behind you. I do have, yes. And that looks like a pretty old one too. You know, it's not actually that old. It was um, it was created by Northwest Curiosities uh, in 2019. It's signed, so it it is a replica of an original one. But it is it is it is a replica. I'm, I'm but I sure use it. yeah, I'm sure it still works just the same. Oh, very much. Well, you can do you can make your own Ouija board. Uh, in fact, long before there was a Ouija board, there were there were spirit board communication. They had that they had this way way back in the 19th century, like 1830s. So there there were other other means of communication. But once you bless it, once you sort of put your energy into it, then you're able to use it. Wow, is that like a personal connection that you have with with your board or is it just well, you have to put time into it to, to get something it's a tool it. like anything else so when i have my i have my cards or i have my crystals or i have my my bells or my daggers things that are to the trade i will focus my energy in i will cleanse them i will bless them i have ritual work that i do for each and every different one that's fantastic and i i think you know, a lot of our listeners too would be very interested in how they would be able to approach some of that. I mean, of course, everyone has their own very specific ex and personal experiences, but sure. to maybe to get some ideas, like, can, can you kind of describe a little well, bit of what that looks like? It depends upon, again, what, what it is that I'm working with. So if it's a crystal, sometimes some crystals can't have water because it'll damage them. So you have to just store them in salt water, put them in the moonlight, some put them in the, in the sunlight. Um, some of them you can run it over over water, like cool water, and it won't damage it. But again, not every crystal. Um, also, if it's got copper in it, the water will make it. It'll cause it to oxidize. So you, if it's got copper in it, you don't want you don't want it there to be water in the copper or salt for that matter. So you would, in that case, you would use a smoke cleansing. Um, some people use. I, I prefer Palo Santo. I think I, I always get that backwards. I think it's, yeah, no, that's it, Palo Santo. I always get it backwards, but that's, I, I use that as opposed to sage. Sage has a tendency to blast everything out, but I, uh, that's what I typically do. So oh, I also use the, sim the, the breath. So when I, when I go to clear the energy from my, my cards, I'll take my cards out. And the first thing I do is I will, I will breathe into it counterclockwise in my hand like this. And I will go backwards to reverse any negative energy. And then I, while doing so, I'm imagining a black flame. And then whenever I go to, to do the cards, then I have the, the, per, the sitter do this. And then I go, we both inhale through the nose, out through the mouth three times. And I go clockwise in that case. Wow. So like unwinding and rewinding. Absolutely. And, and the, does the, the black flame, that is the idea of your cleansing the deck itself, right? With, with the black right. flame. 
Well, it is the idea because a fire, a fire burns and a fire will purify. People are afraid of fire and they're afraid of, you know, the, the, the destruction. But really it is such a purifying, cleansing thing. So we, we have the fire it, in our mind, it cleanses, it burns out any negative residual energy. It's wow. also good for jewelry too. So if you, if, if you notice, sometimes your jewelry will hurt. So you, if you do that same thing with your, your jewelry, that's a quick, quick way of cleansing it. Though I do have to oftentimes clean mine with actual water. Now, do you find that maybe after a, a loaded day or uh, possibly some kind of experience that is more you know, intense than others, you have to clear things more often? Or is well, it... I mean, that's, that's very true because we, I, I deal with energies. I deal with the elements. I deal with energies. I deal with energies living and those that are beyond the veil. And so sometimes you end up with, with energies that are really strong and they really um, are not pleasant. So you have to, you really have to do a lot of, a lot of cleansing, a lot of, a lot of meditation, a lot of pushing it out. I, I just got back from Virginia City where I had an encounter with, with an energy that didn't like the fact that I could see him. I could, I could understand him. Now, he, was a, he felt like that I was, I was revealing his secrets so he couldn't touch me, but he went and he, he shoved, four, four women fell that day, one in particular while I was giving my speech, after a flash in the mirror behind me. So in an instance like that, you would definitely have, your energy is drained and you have to do a lot more ritual, a lot more cleansing, a lot more blessing. Wow. And the, you know, just the fact that other people are getting pushed around you, I, I think it just kind of goes to show how powerful you are and how experienced you are in it not being able to move you. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing, is that I, I'm not afraid of it. I see it, I face it down. One of my sort of explanations that I give people is that in the spirit world, you are somewhat disconnected because you don't have your brain. So all of our emotions become a little bit more base, a little bit more animalistic. And if you come across a dog that has been abused and abandoned and is hungry and you the, the dog is scared but if you go to the, if you approach the dog and you're screaming and you're flailing about the dog will attack you but if you lower your voice and you stand firm and you behave in a way that is not threatening the dog can't attack you it, it can it won't attack you it'll go find somebody else to attack and that's sort of the same way in the spirit world Wow. You know, that's actually something that I was talking to Rob about was just the idea that, you know, we don't really understand how ghosts are in the way that they interact with us. You know, we see that as malice. We see that as being evil, as an sure. evil ghost scratching. And, you know, I, I think we have to kind of step away from that and kind of see that it's much more of a misunderstanding and a miscommunication. A lot. Of Absolutely. Time. Now, there are malicious there are malicious spirits. Um, the main thing that I would recommend when you're dealing with any spirit is just be firm. Um, I had a, when I lived in Hollywood, I had a spirit that would always hide things. It would, it would, um, he, he, he would knock things over. He would open my closet door. Well, one morning about, about 1230, one o'clock in the morning, he opened my closet door. I heard the footsteps. He walked to the corner of my bed. He picked up my bed and slammed it to the ground. 
And I told him, okay, I am tired of this. I have been kind to you. I have been nice to you. If you're going to be nice, you can stay. If you're going to be horrible, I will permit this in my house because I'm the one paying the rent. So I shoot him away. I went back to sleep. Everything was fine. The next day, a friend came over who is sensitive and the friend goes, wow, it feels so different in here. I don't know why it feels so nice. It just feels nice in here. And I went, well, I, I told the spirit it had to go. And just like that, you know, there it went. That's, that's really amazing to hear how in tuned you are to pick up on all these vibrations. And I, I imagine it's something that, you know, that is built on and worked on over time. So like how, how are ways that people can start cluing into these spiritual feelings? Like where, where does that begin? Well, again, it's easier. It's easier for me because I, it comes through a bloodline. My, my father, uh, even though I was raised Pentecostal, we, there was a lot of esoteric magic and things that we worked for generations in my father's side. My mother's side is Native American. So there was a lot of that innate. Now, it can be learned. It's like someone can learn to play the piano. Someone can learn to paint a picture. But it, it comes easier for some people. So the way that I would recommend to sort of open oneself up to that is to meditate. Meditation is, is essential. Focusing on the breath, inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the mouth. Um, now, it, it, it doesn't happen as easily for some as it does for others, but it does, it does help to meditate and to open it up to, to get beyond the realm of, am I doing this? Is that my thought? Right. Um. Another thing that our listeners would love to know about is, since you've done all of these in interactions and had these encounters, what's a good way to kind of steal yourself and kind of prepare yourself for the unknown? Because, you know, like you were saying, you know, if, if you see a ghost and it doesn't want you there, mm -hmm. it, could, it could possibly manipulate things around you. And if sure. you're not prepared for that, you know, that could be a pretty scary experience for a lot of people. Well, the first thing is... Uh, don't be afraid because it uses that that energy to it uses your own energy against you it's sort of like um in shakespeare the creatures of the id the creatures of the mind they come they 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 use your power against you to it's it's in a more modern term it's like pennywise it he, he uses your fears against you so number one don't be afraid number two now this isn't for everybody this isn't everybody's practice but it is mine before I go into any sort of ritual, I, I take a long bath, um, three main ingredients. Sometimes I add a lot more, but three main ingredients. I add sea salt, honey, and milk because sea salt absorbs negative energy. Um, it, is, it is from the earth. It is from Mother Nature. Goat milk, I prefer over any other because um, it, is, it is, again, it's very nurturing. It does help to, to, to sort of it's a base, so it, it helps to ground you. Um, and then honey is, it, it's anti, uh, what is it? What is the word I'm looking for? It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't spoil, it's antibacterial. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes, it's antibacterial. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about that, but I also add into it, um, sometimes I add cocoa because it's, it, it's good for endorphins and it helps you to feel much, much richer. There's, a, there's actually, I did a whole video on it. So there's, there's, a lot of things you can add in your bath, but the three main are milk, salt, and sugar. I mean, milk, milk, salt, and honey. And honey. Wow. 
Yeah, of course. Um, if we can, we will link everybody to that video because that is that is amazing. You know, just because people need to have a sense of security and they don't know where to start, and I think that's a lot of people. You know, you have an interest in the paranormal, you want to do like a you know haunted house with your friends or something, but of course you go in there blind and you don't know what you're doing. It is it is very important to approach everything respectfully. So. Imagine, by the way, if you're at home, you're watching this beautiful channel, and you're, you're listening to it in the car, wherever it is that your, your, your subscribers may be, um, and then someone walks in and says, who are you? What's your name? Get out, demon. You're evil. You're bad. Are you going to be really happy with them? Probably not. Are you going yeah. to be polite to them? Definitely not. So, but if someone comes in and says, hello. Uh, what are you listening to? You might have a, have a tendency to go, oh, I'm listening to this. Hello, how are you? It's just about, you're, you're a guest in their space. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that we kind of harp on is that we are living in a ghost world. You know, they outnumber us by mm -hmm. the trillions, you know. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I had a question about, um, media has has a hard time kind of putting the paranormal in a box you know there's there's so many i would say wrong messages that they're trying to send to us you know just in, in how it's so fear-based and how sure. you know there's just so much animus towards towards the paranormal and towards ghosts i, I was well, wondering go on i'm sorry go well, on. I, was, I was just wondering is there uh, to you a, an example that you look at in in like film that is the most accurate? Well, you know, this is, as far as the paranormal goes, um, the most accurate would be the Adams Family, Adams Family Values 91 and 93. Um, because the, they, they have their seances. They do practice magic, but at the same time, they live in the modern world. They know that things go bump in the night and they just sort of accept it. They don't live in fear. They don't live in fear of being who they are. So for me, on a personal level, that's one of the most realistic ones. Um, now, I, I love Rosemary's Baby, but that is not, that's not realistic at all. Yeah, to think that the devil would be like a one-and-done lover, that, that's, that's not right. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he seems more loyal than that. <laughs> I should say. Wow, yeah, the Adams family, that's something that we haven't really talked about much, but just all of all of the different characters in that movie. I mean, you even have the grandmother who is a legitimate witch who is just cooking yeah. up potions in, in the kitchen all the time. Right. Well, I mean it goes it goes back to nineteen thirty-eight Charles Adams from New Jersey who worked for the uh, New Yorker. And it was he created the Adam it was it was originally known as the Charles Adams family of ghouls and then it was shortened to the Adams family hmm. uh, and then the television series came along they didn't have names and then it just sort of all came together but even in the even in the early days they're talking about witchcraft they're talking about things that other that, uh, normal people norm, normal people regular people uh, most people would go oh that's really strange that's really weird that's kind of that's macabre that's weird how does how are you able to do this and it was just to them, it was just normal. Right. And and the fact that they treated it like it was their average life, like they didn't have a, 
a worry about it and that they saw normal people as weird right they looked yeah. at like the the way that people ran their normal lives and they thought that well, was the strange thing i i think for me personally speaking i i look up to and admire the idea the concept of the of the adams family because they accept everybody into their homes. They, they will love you as long as you're kind to them. They may find you to be strange because, when, especially when you're looking back at the 60s and you're looking back at the 30s, where people were trying, most people were trying to live their life of sort of for the neighbors. What will the neighbors think? What will the neighbors think? And to them, that is strange. Wouldn't you rather just live your life for you? Yeah, exactly. And to think that a guy from the 30s was, was kind of putting that out there is, is pretty inspiring. Well, it, it comes from a, a long line of, of sort of macabre things. There were, there were, in the 19th century, images of the devil. And then, of course, you've got Nosferatu, you've got Dracula, you've got uh, your, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So these things are already sort of in the, in the psyche of the world. Right. Vampires and werewolves, kind of like the, the universal monsters of like, like the time, that being like so big. And, you know, it's funny, you see it now, there not being much of an appetite for the monster movie, right? And I think maybe, maybe The Invisible Man was the latest one where they tried to modernize it. Mm -hmm. But before that, you know, like they kind of do like... Uh, well, they, they go in cycles. Films go in cycles by the psyche. So in the 1930s, you had the, you had the Great Depression. So what, what are the monsters? You've got Dracula, and you've got Frankenstein's monster, and you've got, in the 40s, you've got the war, you've got the Wolfman, you've got witches that come and go, and they're always sort of there to, in the shadows. And then in the 1960s, you've got the monsters, you've got the Addams Family, you've got other sort of, um, a lot of Vincent Price films, you've got a lot of Don Knotts films, which are comedy versions of these classic tales. And then the zombie genre arrives right at the time of the atomic bomb. So right. these, these monsters are really, we are the monsters. It really reflects more upon our psyche of the time and what we're going through. I mean, a few years back, everyone was all about um, sparkly gay vampires. Right. Well, yeah, what's your opinion on that? So, okay, vampires can be a lot of things. Can they be sparkly and gay? Sure. Yeah, well, right? I mean, he wasn't really gay. I'm, I, I'm as gay as the day is long. But, <laughs> but uh, when I think about, uh, you know, what was that, the Twilight series, mm -hmm. you know, it, ma it makes my eyes roll. But, um, I mean, originally, vampires were a lot closer to the 1920s version of Nosferatu. They were, they had these dry skin and their teeth would show and they were bald because they were dead and they'd have long decrepit fingers so originally in the mythos they weren't beautiful seductive european dignitaries right i mean uh, the way I, I think about like the the classic vampire right i was a big big buffy fan but even before you know, interview with a vampire you know with brad pitt you know tom mm -hmm. cruise i mean these these people are are beautiful men Right, and of sure. course, they're not Lost the Nosferatu. Right, right, yeah, Lost Boys. Even that, where you have like the suburban dad being like the head monster. None of them were the ugly, you know, gross-looking guy that you had in the the original tale. Which because kind of makes when 
when you're when you're dealing with a modern idea of vampirism, it is because people are looking for ways to extend life. They're looking for ways of immortality. And if you could choose to be immortal, why would you choose to be immortal and ugly? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point. That's like uh, Death Becomes Her. I oh, I love that film. Yeah, they're going to be remaking that film, I think. But I, I hope they do it justice. But that that itself lends itself to so much of the occult because, you know, um, I forget what who they go to, but it's that woman who offers them eternal life. Yes. Well, I love I love Death Becomes Her for more than one reason. Death Becomes Her is it is a classic. It is it is it is brilliant, but it is actually based on a 1927 opera by the name Vyanacek by the name of the Markropoulos case. So it's it's really quite fascinating. I mean, it's it's a modern day retelling, modern as far as the '80s go. Mm -hmm. But it is uh, it, it it's 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 based on that earlier version about this woman 300 years ago that her father gives her a potion that she can live for 300 years before she takes she has to take it again. And all along she changes her her name, but it's always her initials, and sometimes. She's an opera singer, and sometimes she sings in a bar, and sometimes, but it's always the same, always the same name. But she just has to sort of kill herself, kill her right. public persona. 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 Yeah. And then she has to go take the the potion, and she it's locked away in a castle in Europe, and so the only way that she can get this potion is to make love to this duke. So he makes love to her and he, he exclaims in the opera, being with you is like being with a corpse. Mm. Because she's already had all of that. She's, ha she's 300 years old. She's right. like, I don't even care anymore. So it turns out that she gets the potion, but she realizes it's not worth it. So she hands it over to her, her protege and she says, you do with it whatever you will. I can't have this. And the, the woman thinks, well, maybe I should take this. Maybe I should hide this potion. Maybe I should do it. Just then, the, the, the people, the, the, the feds or whoever they are, are pounding on the door to get to this woman. And she see, the, the protege looks down. She sees her, her, this diva dying. And she goes, no, it's not worth it. And she burns it just as the door explodes and the curtain, curtain falls. Wow. And, and to think, you know, like there's there's a chance that, you know, maybe she exploded it in quotations and, and kept it for a rainy day. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. But I mean, even still, even from the 20s, you look back, you've got Metropolis by Fritz Lang. It's mm -hmm. another case of Robert Maria. It's sort of extending life. So wow. even, even in that, there's a lot of esoteric knowledge. He's got the one left-hand gloved claw. And Amazing. That's that's the one thing that we didn't know about you is you were such a movie buff and that's that's kind of um, the other avenue that we like to to travel in so that's great that's it's it's wonderful to find a like-minded person. I I love I love the cinema. Now I mostly love older films, but I do love the cinema because it is magic. When yes. you are when you are when you are on that screen and when you are changing people's minds. Uh, Hattie McDaniels, by the way. Hattie McDaniels was famous in Gone with the Wind for playing the maid, the mammy. 
Yes. And even though it's, it's steeped in 1930s racism, she won an Oscar for that. Yeah. And her co-stars were, were there to support her. So it changed minds. It was like, um, it was like uh, being, not, not being Crosby, what is his name? Uh, Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire dancing with men, men and women of color and where normally you would have to, you would shoot this and then you would shoot that. He says, no, these are people. So I, I, I love, even, even the, the, the propaganda films of the, of the 40s where you have propaganda on both sides. You have, you have Hitler spreading propaganda to his people, which they bought, and then the Americans spreading propaganda to their people, which they bought. Horrible mm -hmm. things were happened on both sides. Nazis, much worse, but each one had, had, had taken that propaganda and, and had, even, even Walt Disney was, he was dismayed as to, he shows up on, on his lot at, at Disneyland, Disney, well, Disney Studios, and he found out that the government had overtaken his entire compound. They didn't do Warner Brothers, they didn't do, they didn't do Gower Studios, they didn't do any other studio, just the Disney Studios. And it Very was, interesting. It was for their messaging potential. Absolutely. Right? And, and I think that's, that's the magic of cinema, is the ability to get a message across to an audience that is beyond your wildest dreams. Because you could think, oh, international, you know, but even like small movies, movies that are, you know, kind of people's you know, pipe dreams, they make sure. it, it goes nowhere. And then 10 years later, it gets picked up by everybody. It's a cult classic, you know, and all of a sudden it has a second life. And I was in a film called Tangerine. Um, oh, that's a great film. You're, yeah. you're familiar. So it was, it, it, they were, they hired prostitutes, like actual real prostitutes. And then they came to me and they said, we want for you to play a character we what we think it'll be funny if it's Ms. Willie, and because I, I at that point, I played Willy Wonka, and I went, I don't want to do that. They said, No, you want to, you want to. So anyway, <laughs> I was in this film called Tangerine, and it was really quite. It, it's small, low budget, shot on an iPhone, and yet it really made you feel how these trans ladies of the evening. How they how they dealt with life on the street and the the breakups and the and and it makes you sort of go oh these are people, right? It's a very intimate movie. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you played Willy Wonka, I so <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, just in, in terms of lineage, you have Gene Wilder, Johnny Depp, Richard Lale. I mean, there it well, is, you know, right I, there. I I I I looked a lot more like. Johnny Depp's version, but I was my own version distinctly. I borrowed from Gene Wilder. I borrowed from uh, Johnny Depp. I borrowed from the I, all of the advertisements that existed for forty years. Uh, I, I borrowed from the book. I, I borrowed from the from the, the Broadway musical. I just I created my own character around the mythos. In fact, I was lucky enough to work. I worked at a candy store, and at first they were very afraid. The, they were afraid to let any of their investors know that I was there. <laughs> so Nestle comes in and they go, oh my God, you're fabulous. You are so great. We've tried having Gene Wilder Willy Wonka. We've tried having Johnny Depp Willy Wonka. It always falls flat. You are terrific, but don't, we, we, we won't tell the doll estate. 
so the doll estate then the sister what the daughter rather the daughter of of raul doll comes in and goes oh you're fabulous you're so fantastic i love you you're so great don't tell nestle oh my god wow <laughs> so, <laughs> they want a, a, a blessing from the family really yeah wow yeah. and i i got i got the blessing of of the nestle corporation the doll estate from johnny depp and Tim Burton, I was I was at the premiere for uh, Dark Shadows. Wow, the, the the vampire movie, and and that's yeah. also based on on the old show, Dark Shadows from the sixties. Yeah, wow. absolutely, that's perfect tie-in. So so you met them, and they they said you know because I was I, I had been working in the candy store, and uh, they I I went out because here they are they you know they're coming in for the they're going to the Chinese theater, and I went oh, oh I'll just go over there, and I and. Johnny comes over and he goes, he gives me one of those sort of, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Tim Burton, too. Again, very busy, couldn't stay and talk, very busy, but still got the thumbs up that, that looks yeah. good. Oh, yeah. And that that is exactly, I mean, you have everybody down the list now. You're basically the new Willy Wonka. We can, <laughs> we can call it that. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the, way that I, the way that I go about, because I used to pursue acting. I don't anymore. I've got a couple of acting gigs coming up, but it's not really, that's not what I, that's not what I focus on anymore. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't realize this, but I was channeling spirits that when I, when I would go on stage or when I would go in front of the camera, I would invite living spirits that had some sort of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Some sort of connection to this character, whether it be inspired from the mind of the writer, if it was fiction, or if it was if I was playing someone like Freddie Mercury, I used to play Freddie Mercury. I, I traveled Europe performing as Freddie Mercury. Wow! Um, so I would call in these energies that had inspired these people, and then I would I would become them. And even when I was Freddie Mercury and I played Freddie, people would go. I met his friends, his family, his lovers, his employees. And they would always go, my God, how are you here? Every move you make, every sound you make, that's Freddie Mercury. How do you even know how to, how do you even know he would do that? Because I know because I was there. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, I don't know. It just feels right. I don't know. Right. That's something so, that we've, we've like talked about um, actors doing. You know, we, we have kind of sure. been on, on the edges talking about the idea that like how most amazing actors out there maybe aren't even truly acting they don't even know it sometimes um people who are into the occult into the who are psychics who are mediums oftentimes we are attracted to film and television and theater and radio and uh, even even something artistic like painting or sculpting or doing hair or singing but we always and they, they, they get inspired, they channel these spirits, and they don't, oftentimes they don't even know it. They do feel like they step out of their bodies, but they don't call it channeling because they, they, don't, they don't understand what they're doing. Right, they don't have that vocabulary. And that's why, that's why most theaters, whether it be a stage theater or a cinema house, if you go anywhere you, and you ask the employees, they'll say, oh yeah, the, the place is haunted. Oh, I've seen ghosts here. Oh, I've seen... Because on that stage and on that screen, 
people are drawing from real emotions and real events, and real energy, and they are projecting it out there and it's played over and over and over and it's projected into the walls. It, 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 most, most materials are concrete or, or, or st um, stone or wood and that will, that absorbs a lot of that, those vibrations from, from people, from, from speaking. So that, right. and then it, 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 it plays it like a record. Very much, wow. I mean, it reminds me so much of the beginning of our conversation about the objects that you say, that these rituals that you do to imbue them with the magic and going to the theaters. I think we've said on our show, and of course, as you know, it's a ritual in itself. You're gathering with people to all do this similar experience. Right, just like sitting in silence and, you know, just kind of being there with everybody and experiencing the same thing. You know, they say laugh, you know, when, when a comedy plays in a movie theater, you perceive it to be more funny when you're with more people just because everyone's sure. laughing together. Because it's all of that energy. Amazing. Well, b before, before we wrap, and this has been an amazing yeah. um, conversation. Incredible. Um, is you, you're obviously so steeped in uh, the culture and the paranormal and these waves that we're talking about. Um, not Maybe you can answer this one of two ways. Um, sure. I'd be curious to hear you talk about where you'd like to see things, either where you'd like to see things to go next or where you see things actually going next? Well, I can, I can answer that. Um, I can answer both ways. So uh, we are, we've known this for a while, on the precipice. We are, uh, we are becoming into a new age. When, when a new age enters and an old age dies, people get scared because it's unfamiliar. It's uncharted territory, and they will cling to what they know. They will cling to nostalgia. That's why we're looking at a lot of films now that are the 1980s. Everything is the 1980s, 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 because it's, oh, that's my childhood, and I, I, I can cling to that, and I know that. Nostalgia used to be seen as a mental disorder, but it's not now, because now we need it more and more and more. Um, what I would like to see is that people would collectively breathe, that we would remove fear, that we would step forward, that we would step through this, through this portal into the other world together. Because then it makes the transition so much easier. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, you know, people like you that, that are going to help that, help steward um, the culture into the new age. You know, as the new Willy Wonka, as you know, as <laughs> the multiple things that you are, I, I think you have. We have a great ambassador in uh, Richard Lael Lillard. So, uh, you. I want to thank you so much for uh, for just taking your time to be a part of the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And of course, you're welcome back anytime. And um, if there's anything you want to plug, anything you want to say, you're sure. Doing. You can find me at thegentlemanpsychic.com. Um, book readings through there, uh, cleansings. I, anyway, thegentlemanpsychic.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of the above, any social media under Richard Leah Lillard or The Gentleman Psychic. Okay, great. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Take care. Okay, we are back. What a conversation. Who knew that we would get a brush with Johnny Depp that close I mean <laughs> to think and you know I mean we didn't even bring him up all of a sudden Johnny Depp is 
is is out of nowhere and on the on the red carpet of dark shadows so a vampire movie guys we, we tried to try to warn you but you know we, we've trained a, a new leaf we're not anti-vampire we're just anti-johnny i think Right. I mean, we'll have to see how this progresses. I mean, we've been at war with Johnny for such a long time, and here he is again. So obviously there's a message for us. And I think it's making us think, too, is, is everyone who's connected to Johnny, are they automatically, uh, you know, tainted by, by Johnny? Or because, um, you know, I, I, I feel like both of us are, are very, our intuition is very strong. Yeah. And we bonded, I feel like we bonded with Richard Oil. So, yeah. Um, there's a spectrum for sure. And, things, and I think we have to, there's some respect of differences here. Exactly. You know, the fact that he may be friends with vampires and other cryptozoological creatures shouldn't deter us from being his friend because the fact of the matter is we could learn a lot from from them if we have a peace and if we're at peace with johnny i think it would be better for all of us right i mean there's nothing is gained from you know constant war if if george bush taught us anything so yes um in the future we will re-examine the entire johnny scenario i think we have to investigate the investigators in this scenario meaning us and we're going to have to do an autopsy on our, the ethics of our investigations into Johnny Depp and whether or not this was instigated by us. So um, we better watch out. Cause yeah. we, I mean, frankly, we're, we're like the top investigators out there. So to have us coming after us, I mean, I know I, I I'm sorry. I, I might as well put all my dirty laundry just like out on the, on the bed because there's no, point of hiding because i'm, I'm gonna find that out exactly i'm so stupid because i'm i'm gonna pounce on my on, on me on myself like a fierce wolverine here's here's the thing that i think neither of us realized is that we would get our paranormal legal law certificates and this was after the johnny depp debacle right this is uh, after all of that so now we have the the law you know, we know judges. And so now we can really turn the heat on ourselves. So look out, Ghost in the Scene, because we're coming. Um, but right now, I think we have something more pressing. What's coming for us is not just uh, the judgment, the, fi the you know, fires of judgment. We're talking actual fires. Rob, are you safe right now? Well, um... Let me, let, let me look, because, you know, last last I saw, there were, there were literally fires all around me. Uh, you know, I kind of had to go an al alter alternate way to my kitchen, because there was just, there was too much fire. Wow. Um, and, like, it's, it's impossible to put out, because there's just so many of them. That is the exact thing that I've been seeing everywhere in California, fires in the hallways, fires on the hills. Literally, I saw a guy driving on the freeway and his head was on fire. 
and you know, he had the air conditioning on. I, I think hopefully he's okay. You know, a hot day. But this is the kind of existence that we're living through right now. We have smoke that is covering cities, not only in California, but in the Pacific Northwest. Literal, I mean, clouds, thick smoke. You can't even see the tree in front of you. I, I had a good authority. Uh, you know, folks, the, the, the street team sent me photos from the East Coast, you know, by, by Maine. You know, so we're talking about from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine, Whoa. where there is smoke visible in the sky. Whoa. You know, there are there are people in the street team, and I don't know sure to call them street team because they're up in the sky. There's sky a, team. Sky team. And in Germany, in Europe, and they're they're doing their calculations and they're picking up smoke particles from West Coast of the United States all the way out in Germany literal ashes it's raining ashes where i live every day i have to go out and get a vacuum cleaner and i vacuum all the ashes and i put them in urns and i send them to cemeteries all over the world you know people are are literally burning their houses are burning their hair is burning that guy's head was on fire you know people they're throwing people's appliances into fires to slow down the fire, a washing machine as, as, as some kind of sacrifice. And it's not stopping anything. Of course, this was part of it was started from a gender reveal, a, a ritual that I think should finally end, right? This is a dangerous ritual done by amateurs. And I think that if you wanted to have a psychic reveal the gender of your baby, you could do it in a safer way without using pyrotechnics. You could use a spirit. I think that's, it's pretty simple. And if you were a professional, you wouldn't do it that way. And only an amateur would use pyrotechnics to, to, to do something so simple. Right. I mean, and it's like, all they did was say, was like, oh, it's, it's a boy or, or, oh, it's a girl. Like, those are genders we know about. Like, what's revealing about yeah. that? Exactly. They, they could be doing things like, you know, oh, we're going to find out what star sign it's going to have. Or we're going to find out if this thing cures cancer or if he accidentally, you know, kills somebody by accident. We could find out that this unborn baby's deepest, deepest darkest secrets. But instead, they just want to know what it's got between its legs. Right, but what I'm saying, too, it's like, what if there are more genders out there? And there are more genders out there yeah, of than course. Just, just the binary. So, but no, but we're never hearing it about that. Like that, that's something that would be newsworthy that I would want to invite all my friends over and, exactly. and to tell them about. Like, but, you know, yes. most of my friends are, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, you know, most of my friends live on the binary. So it's like, yeah, they, they, they've seen guys and in, 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 in females before. So it's not really revealing. Yeah, it's not good news. And when I say good news, I just, it's not news. Not newsworthy. Right. It's not newsworthy. And, you know, we're, we're living in an era of Trump. You know, you think your fucking baby's uh, gender matters at this point? I, I'm sorry. But we have a clown as a president who is from another dimension and we don't even know who he is. So we got now, now if your fish. baby was like a, a, a clown, if their gender was clown, 
Okay. All right. Now you're talking. I'm all ears. Yes. Of course, gender reveals only are newsworthy if it is discovering a new gender. Because that is a true reveal. An M. Night Shyamalan kind of reveal. So, yes, these fires started by rituals that were done by amateurs, started by... Uh, and this is kind so of where... Let's, the controversy, let's, yeah. Let's get into it. Because we don't know. At least they claim they don't know. But we might know, right, Rob? You and I, we're the best investigators on the earth, on, on this earth. So let's put our noses in, in this manila folder and let's find some facts. We're on a fact-finding expedition, you and I. Who do you think did these fires? And that's a, that is the question right now because what we're seeing is unprecedented. There haven't been fires like these before. And you go on the internet, there's the rumor mills a turning saying, oh, this person started some fires, that person started some fires. As if like someone with, with a Bic or a, a matchbox mm -hmm. even knows how to make a fire that big. Like most people can't even get like a campfire started. So, oh yeah, okay. So they're, they're making these giant fires. I, mm -hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, sorry. I don't think so. I mean, I, unless they're like handing out like uh, flamethrowers, like candy. Uh, because, you know, last time I went to the flamethrower store, they were sold out. And, you know, you think like, oh, that means there's a lot of people with flamethrowers. No, no, no. They said like, no, we ran out of stock. Like, you know, back at the beginning of this pandemic. They stopped making them. Stopped making them. Yeah. And here's the thing. They said Antifa, uh, Proud Boy, um, you know, H Harry and the Hendersons that he started it. They say Sasquatch started the fire in the Pacific Northwest because people, somebody got too close to his camp and he was tired of, you know, foreigners coming and, and, and trying to take pictures of him and steal his children. And so he went and did something very, you know, aggressive. But that's, that's not the truth. He's not xenophobic. Sasquatch loves everybody. He would never attack anybody. He's peaceful. We know this. Okay, so we got to clear some of the brush on this, just like, you know, to prevent further fires, right? To prevent further people's livelihoods being damaged, we need to save Sasquatch and his image because people are going to think he's a racist, he's a bigot, if we don't make sure that he's not responsible for these fires. So who is responsible? A couple years ago, if not even like last year, in the LA area, there was a uh, few fires, maybe like, I don't know, two or three over the course of a couple months. And at least one of them was started because of electrical wires from Edison, the Edison company, aka the ghost of Thomas Edison. His creation, electricity, what he claimed he created started these fires could it be edison back again it's a content i mean like it, we already have proof of him doing it before so um it could it could be repeat offender 
and you know and if if and here's the other thing edison was such a you know he put his name on everything such a branding guy that even if it's somebody else edison might just go ahead and say he did it anyway just take credit for it so it we might as well blame edison because even if it's not him he'll take he'll take the credit i mean but the only other person that edison was never able to take credit for and i think one of our other clues one of our little tidbits you know going into that manila folder item b what was one of the contributing factors they said arcs of lightning striking the forest now edison was electricity guy light bulb guy right who was known for making lightning though zeus and who zeus yes zeus for one so he he's not off the hook yet but to me you know and who would have motive like you know what's zeus's motive i think that that's a big question here if it is him well edison hold on okay I'll, i'll finish this thought and we'll get back to zeus in a moment okay um who would want to grandstand edison and has access to electricity i think we might need to put our old friend nikola tesla on stand with his tesla coil yes now now they just got him making cars they, they, stupid cars that, that he can't even drive that he can't even drive so that's a major slap in the face. Uh, so, so his his revenge, it's like a latent revenge on Edison, and also just on Elon Musk. And if you heard about this, Elon Musk is considering moving his his power plant or whatever his Tesla plant to another state from California. This could be Nikola Tesla being like, I don't you know I don't want to leave California. What if I just destroy everything before I leave? You know, as like almost like a fit of rage. Right. If he can't have California, no one can. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, Zeus is just so horny mm. that he acts with his, you know, with his horniness. And I don't think starting a massive fire makes any anybody, I mean, it makes people hot, but it doesn't make them hot that way. Right? True, right. He just becomes a duck and screws people. Exactly. And I, I don't think ducks especially like the fires or they like the smoke. No. And here's my candidate for this, okay? Because I've been thinking about this. As much as there's been fires, like you said, your German in the scenesters found particles of not fire. Yeah, Geist in the scene. <laughs> exactly particles of smoke not particles of fire so that's the true enemy the true the true culprit or the reason for the season for the fire season is smoke it is the the creation of smoke is this a giant smudging is california being smudged right now of an evil spirit is this some kind of exorcism that we're not aware of or is it the god Tezcatlipoca, the goddess of smoke, smoke and mirrors, right? This is 
I don't want to say it's one god because it could be Zeus, it could be Tesla, it could be this, this the the goddess of smoke, it could be any demon in the pantheon of demons. And I think us talking to Richard Lale, you know, proves that you know the demon world, the connection between us and them, is such a thin veil. That yeah, you know, maybe they had some laser vision, or maybe they convinced Nikola Tesla. It could be all of the above. So this fire is an indicator to me, at least, that this is getting to be a serious third quarter kind of scenario, right? We've had the plague for a few months. Now we're getting these fires, and it seems to get from one step to another step. We're raising the bar, and the bar is getting raised. So what does that mean for all of us? Right, and it's and when we're talking about just smoke, because there's been fires the last few years, but there's something different. We were saying before, there's something different this time. Like, and especially with the smoke, because we've had smoke in the air, but the smoke, and you can find pictures of this, and I've seen this with my own eyes here in California. The smoke has changed the sky into yes. different colors, into sulfurous oranges and blood red. red. Oh, yeah. Right? There is blood in the sky. So I, I think you're really on spot on with that, Gio, that the, the fires are only the means of creating the true symbol, which is the smoke. You know, it's like the fire and brimstone. And, I, and as you're saying, like, this is, we're talking about, you know, we're not necessarily, we'll say it like this, you know, people are talking about the apocalypse. Yes. Everybody wants to know, is this the end of days? Are we, are we near the end of it all? Am I going to get to see, you know, all my ancestors all waiting for me at the pearly gates, right? You know, will I see the Antichrist? Will I see... You know, a meteor. Well, you know, is there going to be a giant wave that covers the whole earth? There's plenty of people that are expecting something to happen, and they are expecting this year to be it. And I don't know. I don't know. The year's not over, right? I mean, obviously, we can't tell the future because we could be living in, in another universe for all we know it in tomorrow, right? So the the future might not even matter to us. But what we do know is that <clears throat> there is a criteria for the end of the world. At least from what we've gleaned, there is a certain list, a certain checklist that the creator needs to, to check off before he does it, before he finally pulls the plug. He or she, it, they, whoever this creator is, of course. Maybe creator will have their own gender reveal party at some point. Exactly. That's the only gender party that I want to go to, to be honest. If we find out if God is a, is it anything? I know, I know that you're, you're getting worked up, Joe, because this is, this is big stuff we're talking about. This is, this is very big stuff. So God has what I would say is a checklist before the world is over, before he ends everything. It needs to finish whatever, you know, that they started. 
and we figured out at least something of, of part of that list. So let's use what we know, what's happened so far, and see if there's anything else that we can do to stop or help this finishing of this list. And Rob said something uh, off camera that just shook me when he said, you know, we, we have to stop thinking about the apocalypse in the way that we think about it. And, and Rob, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Right. I mean, we're, think about the way we talk about the apocalypse of, oh, skies on fire. Oh, the, there's a, the plague, swarms of locusts and frogs falling from the sky and the dead rising and these are just all terrible things you know there's uh you know sodomy and you know and now now you're here it now you're starting to hear it's like you know there's a lot of things on this list that we're just told are bad and have been told were bad for for centuries thousands of years mm -hmm. we just kind of accepted it at face value but, you know, these are usually people that were like in places of power that were saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I wrote it down in this book. And that means that this is bad. And we need to re reshape that because I don't think any sort of creator does this with the idea of things being good or bad. You know, like we're saying, the butt is, you know, goes to the heart. So how can that really be a bad thing? And, <clears throat> okay, we talk about simulations. We've talked about this kind of before, right? And if we think about video games in general, when you stop playing a video game, do you ever think to yourself, I'm going to destroy this video game. I'm going to annihilate this video game. No, you just stop playing it. It just stops being interesting to you. And you move on to another game. You move on to another idea, another project. And that game just stays in stasis forever, untouched. Never to be seen, thought of again, right? It's not destroyed. It's just that the, the person playing the simulation is done with the simulation. So when you think about the apocalypse, when you think about the end of the world, it's only scary from our perspective. The creator, the person playing the game, they have no malice, right? Think about Grand Theft Auto. When you play Grand Theft Auto, when you stop playing, do you think that the avatar you're playing, do you think it fears that you'll never come back? Right, and from the perspective of some of the characters in that game, you know, there's some pretty heinous things that that happen. But why? But when you're playing it, you're, why do you do the things that you do? Like, why do you fly a helicopter into a building and like jump from a thousand feet up? Because you can. You know, and, like if I was yes. a creator and then if one of the things was like, well, I wonder if I can make frogs just fall from the sky. Like that's a, I might just mess around and do that. That's a good hack. Yeah. And okay. I mean, history is so funny how we see the, the glitches in, in our games and we can see that there are glitches in, in reality because, you know, a thing that uh, there's a giant community of people online that will just hack games by finding parts of the map that don't exist by walking on, you know, invisible planks that the developers made. So we're talking about somebody who's been playing this game 
game called humanity, game called creation. And they're bored, right? Hey, let's make a clown a president. Hey, let's make it burn some fires over here. Hey, let's do this over there. And they're finally starting to hack the parts of the game that are hackable, that the developers left, the invisible tiles they're starting to mess around with. And we're seeing people think, you know, UFOs are coming. That We're seeing people start to treat this like it's the end of the world, when in reality, it's the creator testing the bounds, wanting to see what is fun, what's capable, what, what it can do for entertainment before it's all over. And so what Rob said was it's not, you know, the apocalypse checklist. It's a bucket list. So we're thinking about it all wrong. And it's, there's no malice. This is what the creator wants to do before it's all over. So what's the list? The plague, COVID-19, bada bing, boom, check, right? He wanted to see what the people would do if there was a plague. And sure enough, you got people taking selfies with masks. You got people taking selfies without masks. And both of them are validated and invalidated online. So... Or maybe, you know, the deity is just playing, you know, pro-plague. Because obviously we're biased to think of this from the human perspective, being humans. Mm -hmm. What if the deity was like, hey, I want to see how far, like, these little bacteria can swim. I mean, and also think about it in terms of creation, right? COVID is God's latest creation, which would make it its most favorite. We all know that the baby is always the most favorite of, you know, the children. COVID is, is a baby. And so, of course, COVID is going to get more attention from the creator. And, of course, COVID would spread more because the creator wanted it to spread more. Because it wants its baby to grow. So, if you just think about it in terms of favorites, obviously, COVID over humanity, I think, is, is God's perspective. So, okay, Natural disasters, that's another one. We have fires, earthquakes, tsunamis. Uh, the entire continent of Australia was on fire earlier this year, if, if you don't remember that. So it's not just California, and it's not just um, America, United States. It's the world in general is on fire. Just like Smash Mouth said, my world is on fire how about yours? He was talking about a multiverse in that lyric, but I think he's just talking about how our world is on fire. And that was like 20 years ago. So it's been on fire for that long. So yes, checklist, boom, natural disasters. What about um, locusts? Right, that's another one. Right, I. that's, the, you know, we did have the quote unquote uh, murder hornets earlier, which could be seen as somewhat similar, but they've kind of they kind of been keeping on the down low for for the, the rest of this year. Um, I you know what though? Here's something that I don't know if a lot of Angelinos are feeling right now. There are so many mosquitoes outside, so many of those little mosquitoes. And I heard that in Florida, they released a population of mosquitoes, 
six million genetically modified mosquitoes. Now that could be itself a man-made locust scenario. No, and that's that's reminding me too. The the details I'm a, I'm a little bit fuzzy just because, you know, uh, I'm just trying to get back to 100% here. But of course, there was a, a swarm of mosquitoes so hungry that they were they were sucking the livestock dry. Yes, like, like cows and, and, and wild deer were dropping dead from these swarms of mosquitoes. So this is nothing to be afraid of if, if you're not a cow, right? Cows can't run as fast as us. Sorry, cows. But yes, check, check, check on that right there. Mosquitoes might be the new locusts and rebranding. They're locusts, right? Yes, exactly. So, okay. And then we have, of course, if you go into the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah, what, what did they love over there? ass right they loved ass anal play not saying okay here's now this is i want to be super super clear okay we are not anti-anal play okay we we do not have a negative word about it and we are pro anal play ghost in the scene the creator of this checklist is not. Or maybe it is. If this is a bucket list, maybe the creator just never got around to, to doing anal. anal. Yeah. yeah. Exploring his own his own hole at the bottom part. Like it's, it's one hole, but the bottom part of the hole, the creator never explored his own their own business. And this is a time, a culture that we exist in, where the creator can finally indulge in that part of his, his personality. Because finally, there are songs and cultural icons that are literally glorified, you know, partly for their butts, for the ass. And ass as a, as a beauty standard being a huge part of American culture, if not a global culture. Right. And, you know, the idea of black holes, you know, on a universal scale, uh, yes. I think those have only really been understood in the somewhat recent history. So, you know, black holes could just be the creator's anus, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it could be black holes could just be one long hole with multiple outlets. Right. Who knows what the creator's anus uh, anatomy is like? You know, why would it be like ours? Even though you know, some some would say we were created in their image. Right. Uh, that's super vague to me, because uh, you can imagine anything, and the creator could be anything. So, like, who says the creator can have like seventeen different holes? Channels. Yeah. Right. It's like, true. Holes. And like you said, the black hole idea, you know, what if in order to truly understand the black hole as a, as a scientific phenomena, we need to understand the butthole first. It's like, I think the biggest problem with humanity is that we've decided to explore the 
uh, solar system before we explored Earth itself and the depths of the ocean, where I believe we'll find, you know, old pirate ships, my old Game Boy, a bunch of dead bones and bodies and that kind of stuff. I mean, tons of history is down there, but we refuse to because the water is so haunted that we're afraid, you know, and we need to look into ourselves first. Go down, get a mirror, get a magnifying glass if you can, take a high-def photo of your hole, and look for the Fibonacci sequence in there, in, in the little rings, like a tree. You'll find the ratios are perfect and that nothing is out of place. And that, I'm sure, and I can guarantee you, if we get enough of this data out there, not the photos, but the numbers from, from the sequences, that we could crack black holes. So, you know, uh, this is kind of getting away from God's bucket list. We're talking about heavy science now. Um, I think that it's a good thing to consider because as this, you know, quote-unquote apocalypse is happening, people are just like running around and it's something that we're trying to break the illusion of. And it's not something to be feared, but to be studied because, you know, I'm, we're not entirely sure what God's going to do after they finish the game. Are they going to start a new game? Is this one going to get wiped? Uh, you know, are they yeah. going to move on to a different scenario? Are we going to get re-uploaded? Is there DLC? Is there other content that's available to download that he will, you know, maybe will be modded? And he'll be like, hey, what if I just give everybody 20% more strength this time? And then you wake up one day and you can start punching holes through walls. I mean, this is the kind of scenario that might work out for us. It might be good that he ends it all and kind of gives us a hard reset. He might be like, hey, what if I give everybody perfect eyesight this time? This time around, why not? And he, he puts in you know a little Sims code. And bada bing, we all have perfect eyesight. We all can see like eagles, x-ray vision. And we can see at night and you know that way we could see shooting stars we could talk to ghosts there's plenty of things that we could do after this is this ter ter terrible time is over but we have to stop seeing it as terrible and like rob said start observing it as scientific evidence and i think that's a perfect way to to close this uh, this conversation out you know science is the way to go you have to trust your scientists first you have to look at the numbers and understand that, you know, they are a representation of what we saw in reality, right? We saw something, we gave it a number, right? That's evidence. That's true evidence. And so you have to take the numbers seriously. And so, you know, when I hit a, a hundred pounds deadlifting, I take that seriously, right? When I hit 300 pounds bench pressing, I take that seriously. The numbers don't lie, all right? And it, and it doesn't lie. They're not gonna. They're not gonna fib to you. When a I do two is a two is a two. Exactly. When I do twenty reps of eight hundred pound le leg bursts, I'm serious. So I want you to take this week and do some something very positive, right? Be serious. 
find evidence, ask questions, be critical, but also be kind. You know, if you see a ghost, be respectful, be nice. Um, we want everybody to be included in the scene. People with sacks, people without sacks, people with problems, without problems, people with issues, haunted, not haunted, anybody that has, you know, friends of vampires, you're friends of ours for now. Un until further investigation, we're going to make friends first and then we'll, we'll find out who's who later, right? Because we're the best investigators in the world. So we'll find out if, you know, if, if things come down to it. Right, and we're going to watch out for ourselves too because you know we don't pull back any punches from anyone, and that includes ourselves. So we got some ourselves to look out for, um, and I'd say just for everyone out there, uh, you know, check in with each other. Uh, you know, just speaking with the UGO and being connected to all of our listeners out there. You know, I'm already, I'm feeling like a good solid, like you know. 49% at this point, you know, that's wow. what your energy does for each other. So reach out to each other um, because, you know, your friends out there, you know, might need a little boost and you can give that to them just by, just by talking to them. It doesn't have to be anything serious, you know? Um, and that's, that's not just your, your humanoid friends. That could be your dog friends, your bird friends, your, your plant friends, your door uh, friends. Your door friends. When's uh, the last time you, you shook your door's hand? Just just to say hi, not it, not to open it. You know? When's the last time you 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 shook your window's hand? Instead of just opening your window, you just said hello to it. These are things we could do on a, on a daily basis. I, uh, I want to thank you, Rob, for for having this you know this time with me. You've honestly. I was at probably about an 80. I'm at a 99, right? I'm going to go do some, some, some deadlifts after this, probably a thousand pounds because of you. And I'm going to take it seriously. Uh, so guys, stay in the scene. Keep your eyes on the screen. Uh, we didn't even mention the, the horsemen. So we might be, we're going to be reaching out to Mark, the horse, getting some more detail because we're not going to give you info half-baked. We're, we're going to bake this cookie before we give it to you hot yes hot and ready so take care guys we love you